This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Secondly, you know, just remembering who we are, you know, as a company, you know, one of our values is, is community engagement. So, you know, last, last week, um, you know, uh, after I made sure that we, we made sure as a team that all of our staff and, and team had gloves and masks and sanitizer, we had a number of supplies left over. So we approached, um, you know, some of the, the teams that we work with in particularly in Culver City where we're based. And, you know, we, we, we went out to the local charities that are in need and donated masks and, and gloves to them. Um, and we also made some charitable donations to local food banks. That, that's really important because, you know, we're also moving into a, uh, right after this crisis, there's going to be, well, there already is an economic crisis. And, and we need to be reflective of that and thinking about how we fit um, our company in, in this kind of emerging new, 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 this new kind of uh, not normal situation that we're, we're going to be in. This was Tim Dodd, a venture capitalist turned co-founder and CEO of Sweet Flower, Southern California's largest and leading independent cannabis retailer. A dispensary that is by and for LA. Sweet Flower leads with a clear positioning and a high sense for design in a sea of sameness. And my chat with Tim came at an especially interesting time when LA was knee-deep in the coronavirus pandemic, which it still is at the time of this recording. But Sweet Flowers seems to have been well prepared to weather the storm. There is much to learn from Tim. But before we jump in, I want to thank the latest supporters of the show, Adila, Denise, and Melanie for joining my Startup Entrepreneur Mentorship Circle, and Anastasia Gudakova, Boyan Trifonov, Hernan Braberman, Priscilla Blanchot, and Rebecca Gao for joining the Creative Entrepreneur Circle. These supporters are able to hop on monthly group calls with me, and until July, I'm not charging them a dime. So it really is more me supporting them than the other way around right now. So if that sounds of good use for you and your brand, join us for the May or June calls by going to patreon.com slash hitting the mark. And now, here's Tim Dodd of Sweet Flower. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, absolutely. Uh, first off, I hope you're safe during what is being seen as the peak week of the coronavirus here in LA, I guess. And uh, thank you for taking yeah. the time. Yeah, it's it's crazy no. right now. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 you know frightening. Uh, it's it's alarming for us all. Um, you know, we are safe. You know, thank you. And and as an essential business, we are we remain open, um, which has been great. We've done a lot of things uh, in the store to make sure that people, you know, in all of our stores, the people are safe, and um, you know, our customers and and our team. So you know, we've we've gone through lots of different training. We've done lots of different things with um, uh, in in terms of providing people with uh, safe access to supplies and gloves and masks, and of course. Um, uh, we were, I think, the first actually in Los Angeles or even in Southern California to instigate um, curbside pickup and contactless delivery. So we've been rolling that out, and that's been going very well. Uh, there's a strong demand for people. You know, uh, you know, people are people are at home. They're stressed out. You know, they're they're scared, um, etc. And um, they they feel the need. Uh, for you know, for the products that we offer uh, for cannabis, and so you know, we're we're really trying to provide that in the safest and most responsible way that we can. You know, adhering to all the social distancing guidelines, etc., as well. So it's it's been, um, I'd say, a pretty challenging few weeks. Um, but you know, I, I look at the good side here. You know, we are we are still open, which is great. We're still yeah. providing jobs for our team and. We're still providing a, a, an essential service uh, to our customers, and I mean, how crazy is it that you know this is now an essential service? I mean, that, that's yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just uh, think about that two years I ago. I mean, right? I've always thought I've always thought that, but it's, but it's pretty cool that that's now part of part of this. Um, so 
it, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a really fast evolution in uh, in our customer behavior and our store behavior. But you know, we've we've pivoted really quickly. So my hat is off to our, to our wonderful team of um, of sweet florists and all the stores. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how how difficult was it to fully embrace um, the, the home delivery um, system? Was that something that you already uh, worked on prior? I mean, being in LA, I'm pretty sure you're pretty tech yeah. forward. Yeah, luck, luckily we had. So we had started delivery several months ago. Uh, it was not a core focus of our brand. You know, our brand is is really about providing a high touch service uh, in store. But we had decided, um, you know, luckily to to move into delivery. Uh, you know, Q3 of last year, and really to to have that as an expansion of, of our of our brand footprint, you know, beyond the stores to people's homes. And it's it's kind of asking the ultimate permission, right? You're coming to someone's house yeah, um, to provide them a service and, you know, you're coming to their front door and they're giving you their gate code and all that, particularly in Los Angeles, we have a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of things that are, that are, there's a lot of kind of permissions involved in that social permission. That's unusual. You know, you're basically bringing drugs to someone's home. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously when we, when we think about that, you're like, okay, we, yeah. we really want to do uh, our best foot forward. So we, we started that last year and, and uh, bat the back part of last year. That's, that's, so a, that's very forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we had, we had the tech tools in place. So, you know, most of us have got some tech backgrounds and either from the business side or from actually on the dev side. So we worked with um, some different vendors and we actually put a company called OnFleet in the middle of all that. And OnFleet allowed us to, um, uh, which is a, an app that's used by lots of different kind of delivery services, but it allowed us to provide a much higher touch. So customers can text the driver anonymously, hey, you know, I'm here, you know, how far away are you, et cetera. And the, the driver can text back or uh, call back even. Uh, or people at the home base can do that. So, so we put put that all together. It's a it's a very good system. It's worked really well. And um, you know, frankly, we were I wouldn't say prepared, but we obviously had a, a leg up as this all started to unfold the way it did. Um, and so, you know, uh, we quickly took took everything that we had in place, and we simply amplified it. You know, we we brought on more drivers. Um, you know, investing in the human capital here is really important. Um, so we brought on more drivers. We made sure that the drivers were safe, um, you know, first and foremost, that they felt secure in what they were doing, provided them with gloves and masks and hand sanitizer inside the car. And this is what, you know, this is still uh, hand sanitizer is still a really hard thing to get. Right. Um, so that was, that was difficult. So we did all those things. And then since then we've seen a, a market increase in delivery. We've probably seen a 500% uh, increase during the surge of, of coronavirus panic buying that we saw. Um, and, you know, that was, we, we accommodated those orders. And then since then, um, it's it's fallen back somewhat, which is understandable. And, and I think, frankly, reflects people are now staying at home a lot more, but they're they're not panic buying or surge buying. They're, they're thinking, okay, I've got, you know, a few a few days or weeks of supply left, and I'll go and get some more soon. So we right. see large basket sizes for delivery, um, and we also see you know the need to expand our, our zone. So we've done that. We've expanded our delivery zone from initially it was around a five mile radius per store, but if you think of Los Angeles, you know we're well spread out. We've got mm. uh, Studio City, um, Melrose, and the Arts District locations working right now. Um, we're all, we were also about to open up the Westwood location, obviously with COVID, um, we're going to push that back. Right, right, right. It's right. very hard to launch a store in a pandemic and very hard to know kind of how that looks. And I think optically it also has some problems, you know, it's not a, I don't think it's appropriate right now to, to do that. Right, right. So we're looking at how to do that is, is just as soon as it's safe and, and, and we think we can market and, and launch the store correctly. Um, but even with the current footprint, the five mile radiuses that we had, radar that we had worked really well. We expanded those very quickly to 10 mile radius from the, each of the stores. And then we're now delivering basically to all of Los Angeles. So from the Palisades um, on the west side, all the way to Pasadena, deep into the valley, and then deep into South uh, LA. And we're looking at further expansion of that as well. Um, you know, if there's a silver lining on this 
whole horrible situation. Right. It is the fact that, you know, traffic has died down. Um, yeah. So we can now, you know, service, reliably service all of these large areas with more staff, obviously, and more drivers quickly. You know, we can get around uh, the freeways pretty quickly. So we're averaging um, about 50-minute delivery times right now, no matter, despite, you know, wherever they are, at, at certain peak times, we might get up to about 80 minutes um, if we have to do a lot of, you know, deliveries around the same time. But, you know, we're able to now service a very large part of almost all of Los Angeles from the stores that are open, all the stores, um, you know, in that time frame. So that's that's been, uh, I think, a, uh, you know, a benefit of this horrible situation right right um if, if one can say it that way right but it's true i mean there are there are certain people are people are creatures of habit so i'm sure that they get used to during the pandemic to start ordering for sweet flour and then later on they might they might just keep that up because it's already in the system it's easy for them they get used to it um so some some positive things are coming out of this as well yeah i, I think we're we're seeing uh you know it's it's always as i think you know, someone else smarter than I said, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're seeing that, um, you know, we're, we're really now, we're making sure that all the staff are safe, that, that really business continuity, um, which is really staff and customer safety is, is, has got to be first and foremost right now. Now, These are really challenging times. Absolutely. Um, Secondly, you know, just remembering who we are, you know, as a company, you know, one of our values is, is community engagement. So, you know, last last week, um, you know, uh, after I made sure that we, we made sure as a team that all of our staff and, and team had gloves and masks and sanitizer, we had a number of supplies left over. So we approached, um, you know, some of the, the teams that we work with in particularly in Culver City where we're based. And, you know, we, we, we went out to the local charities that are in need and donated masks and, and gloves to them. Um, and we also made some charitable donations to local food banks. That, that's really important because, you know, we're also moving into a, uh, right after this crisis, there's going to be, or there already is, an economic crisis. And, and we need to be reflective of that and thinking about how we fit um, our company in, in this kind of emerging new, new, new this new kind of uh, not normal situation that we're, we're going to be in. Right. Oh, um, absolutely. So food banks are getting hit. Everyone's getting hit. We're, we're, we're trying to help out. And, yeah, and we're doing that, you know, with money and and also with some time. You know, I, I was driving around on Friday afternoon, basically seeing some people that we know in our around our neighborhoods who are elderly and vulnerable, and making sure that they were safe. And then, as I said, we dropped off uh, a bunch of different supplies to to some of our local charities as well to help them out. So we're, we're trying to do our small bit as a um, as a local business. Right, right. I think it's it's everyone's responsibility as a as, as a business to just to just start with with community. Um, even the community is at the at the heart of your brand. And let's take a let's take a step back um, a little bit. Um, sure, you yeah. <laughs> you you have a successful track record as a as a VC as well. Um, you, you're investing uh, from seed to Series C stage, and you had acquisitions from the 100 to 600 million dollar range. So mm-hmm. I could have actually had you on as a VC guest because I only have founders and VCs, <laughs> but but. <laughs> But today yeah. you're, you're wearing your founder hat, and um, when I, I yeah. <laughs> when I first read about uh, Sweet Flower, I was immediately attracted to it because there is one in a million cannabis shops that actually differentiate and that create a brand atmosphere, as I like to call it, around them that is specific, that actually stands out, and that sets them apart. And uh, for Sweet Flower, it's it's about being curated by and for Los Angeles. So heritage mm-hmm. and community is really your brand story. Um, yeah. You were quoted in Forbes saying, um, and I quote you here, uh, Southern California brands are some of the most recognized in the world. And we're talking about, obviously, the Googles and the Apples. Um, and with within cannabis, I believe that we can build a best-in-class retail experience and brand. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit yeah. about how you have you have no background in, in the cannabis business. Um, how, how, did, mm-hmm. how did this came about? How did you set out and say, we are going to create this LA first brand? So, you know, while I don't sound like it, um, I, I can call <laughs> LA home. You know, I'm from New Zealand. I, I moved to the States 26 years ago. I've now spent over half my life here. And um, most of that has been in LA. Um, and I've been lucky enough to live here um, for, you know, the last couple of decades. I'm, I'm really focused in, in this amazing um, part of the world that I, I've grown to love and call home. 
Um, but beyond that, you know, we um, we take a very uh, kind of non-mythical approach to cannabis. You know, we, we kind of think this is, um, it's an industry, it's a business. It's a highly regulated business. Um, and, you know, my, my co-founder and I have got a lot of experience in, in dealing with in highly regulated business environments. We're both actually uh, recovering attorneys. And um, <laughs> I've, I haven't practiced for many, many years, you know, since 2003, I believe. But, but that, that kind of training is still part of it. And we take compliance um, very seriously. Um, we also are both from, you know, relatively humble backgrounds. And, and so we we do believe in giving back. And that's part of, as I mentioned, part of what we are, are about in terms of the company. And that's part of our ethos. And, um, but beyond that, in terms of California, we believe that California, you know, it is still um, the largest legal market in the world, uh, potential legal market. There are lots of issues in, in California, which I'm sure everyone's familiar about with respect to illegal operations and, um, over taxation and the complexity of the regulatory environment. Um, I, I won't agree or disagree on those, but they are, they are definitely things that people talk about. And, and so we looked at this and said, okay, is there a space here for us to participate in this, in this market? We looked at it as really taking a kind of a classic, um, I wouldn't say a McKinsey approach because I, you know, I don't have that background, but just working kind of as a straightforward business approach, strategy, et cetera. You know, what is the market size? What is that potential entry point? And, you know, we decided, you know, there is a huge, there is a large amount of people going after uh, a core demographic of, you know, um, the stereotypical cannabis user, you know, a young male um, in a certain demographic in, 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 in Los Angeles. There were very few brands and there were really no retail brands other than potentially, you know, one um, that was out there that was focused anywhere else. Um, and in fact, that that brand um, was really focused kind of in lots of places. And so we were like, okay, let's let's see what we can do in terms of focusing a brand on a customer that is cannabis curious, um, has not maybe, you know, got into cannabis, but is is definitely leaning into trying to understand this. And you know, my own experience with this was I had a, you know, I, I ride bikes, uh, cycle for charity, um, had a really bad bike accident, uh, cycling, broke my pelvis in many places and, and my head uh, pretty well. Uh, and kind of woke up and, you know, was medevaced off the top of the mountain and a chopper, woke up in a hospital, was released a few days later with kind of a big jar of oxycodone. Didn't want to do that. Decided to go down to get some cannabis. Went to a store, and you know, I'm on crutches, kind of hobbling around with my head wrapped and uh, <laughs> wrapped up. I looked like a real mess. And you know, it was kind of like, well, do you know the difference between indica and sativa? And I was like, well, you know, sure I do. But what is what is the point of that question? And and then I thought about the customer journey that I was having, which is a really bad experience. I was like, I was hoping for a much, I was hoping for a wellness experience. And what I received was mm -hmm. basically a transaction. Yeah. Sweetflower Sweet was based on the, on the premise that we can provide a wellness experience to all of our customers, not just a transaction. And we want our customers to, become, to be loyal, um, to, to, to enjoy the experience they're having in the store, to receive a very high uh, service component, and to receive education and engagement. You know? um, and, and I think we're getting the feedback that, that I was hoping for. You know, we're receiving you know, extraordinarily high uh, reviews, uh, anecdotal and data-driven reviews that are saying, hey, like, you know, we, we really enjoyed the experience we had at Sweetflower. We really enjoyed the, the piece that we, you know, the, the experience that we had. Um, the products were really good. The service was great. And, you know, we, we will come back. Um, and really moving away from, you know, deal-driven behavior where you're saying, hey, it's, you know, we still do deals, but, um, moving away from people who are, you know, trying to sell product cheaply, whatever, and deal-driven behavior, transactional-driven behavior to loyalty-driven behavior and service-driven behavior, and that's really what we're what we're doing. I view our product, what we're offering, is not cannabis. We're offering a wellness experience. I think what we're seeing today is actually some vindication of that. Um, people are selecting us because they want to spend time with us either on the website. Or if they're coming to the store, even today, you know, they're coming into the store because they want to understand the effect they can get, mm -hmm. not just, you know, I want 
THC, whatever, component, percentage, flower. But what I'm looking for really is I can't sleep, you know, or I'm really stressed or I'm in kind of in pain or I'm anxious um, or I want to be social, you know, kind of with, you know, either virtually, you know, given the constraints of, of the current environment, um, I want to enjoy myself. And, and that's important for people. And that's what we're providing. So I've always viewed Sweetflower as providing a wellness experience. That's what I was hoping for when I kind of hobbled into a store on crutches. That's what I didn't get. And that was a long, a, a big part of me and my partner deciding, my partner and Sweetflower deciding that we would build this company. Um, in terms of LA, I just believe Southern California has a, has a certain creative spirit. I've been lucky enough to work in large creative organizations in, in California. You know, most of my career, Warner Brothers and then Technicolor. Um, and at both places, you know, I found a, a tremendous amount of people who had incredibly engaging careers um, that were driven from, you know, their creative, uh, their, their creative spirit, their creativity. And, you know, that's a big part of Sweetflower is, you know, we, we celebrate where we're from. You know, the, the Sweetflower love mark, our logo uh, is the California State uh, Golden Poppy. Um, you know, we have this sun in our logo. We, you know, this is this, you know, people move to LA partly because of the weather. That's part of who we are. It drives our activities and drives, you know, all of our, our engagements with each other um, yeah. because it's a, such a great place to live. So, you know, we wanted to celebrate that. And then last, you know, the name. Um, we <laughs> deliberately didn't call it anything, you know, too heavy, too dank, too cush, too 420. Um, you know, we didn't really want to have obvious, you know, really obvious call outs to cannabis. Um, so the flower is not a flower. It's a poppy. It's the golden state. It's a golden poppy. Um, but the name itself is, is sweet. You know, it's, it's, we, we're not saying this is a brand, um, for, for, for women, but certainly, you know, I think a lot of our customer base are female and, and enjoy that. And, and certainly, I do think part of marketing is to, you know, you can put out your brand, you can put out your marketing material. It's, it's how people receive that and then feed it back to you that's important. Yeah. So you kind of know if you've missed the mark, if, if what you intend to do, your intended audience is not actually what you get. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think in most cases, we've been very successful in terms of just defining who we think our, who we think our audience is and, and having our audience say, yeah, that's, this, this, this fits, this fits us. Um, the, I think the the biggest kind of learning experience I had on, in so far is the, the cannabis curious. Um, you know, people I think um, assume that they have a lot of knowledge, and and it's been kind of interesting. You know, we've had a lot of people kind of coming in with knowledge about some things, and and actually we've we've educated them, and we do have some extraordinarily experienced you know sweet florists. Um, you know, sales associates uh, in in the stores. And that's been a very good experience for us. And so, you know, we're trying to just engage people as they are. When they walk in, they can have a lot of experience with cannabis or not. Um, so, you know, initially we did call out the, can the cannabis curious notion a bit more um, than we do now. We're, we're kind of, I think, it doesn't really matter. You know, people are super experience with cannabis or not at all there's always something to learn and there's always something there's always new products in the market particularly in california so um rather than kind of talking about cannabis curious we're right now talking about cannabis curated mm. you know, we have a fantastic we have a fantastic buyer michelle mendoza who's been involved in cannabis here in los angeles for you know i, I think for two decades and you know um has been it ran the original uh you know, California dispensary um, in, in West Hollywood, you know, way before any of these other stores came in. And, you know, she has a tremendous background and a fantastic reputation in, in cannabis circles here in Los Angeles in particular. So with Michelle's help, you know, um, and then working with Kiana and Varipal, who joined us just recently as our CMO, um, and Kiana also has a long, long history of engagement in cannabis and then before that in fashion. Um, you know, Kiana and Michelle have really uh, helped us curate, uh, I think, a fantastic selection of, of brands in store. Um, and then working with those brands, we've been able to curate, you know, to, or, sorry, to, to create a number of fantastic events and, um, and activations. Obviously, now in this new engagement, you know, that we, we have, we're, we're socially distancing, uh, 
a lot of those a lot of those kind of influencer events are happening online and on Instagram rather than elsewhere. But you know, we're really kind of doing that uh, at the moment um, as as a reaction to COVID. But with Michelle Kiana, um, you know, we're really now focusing on this kind of cannabis curated moment. That that though is congruent with the brand; it fits the brand. Um, but the notion of kind of calling your customers cannabis curious, I just you know, we we backed off that a little bit. I think that that is. Um, I don't really want to call our customers anything. I think they're, they're all of our customers are fantastic. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're honored to have them in our store. Um, you know, we respect where they're all coming from, whether they have a lot of knowledge of cannabis or zero. Doesn't matter. You know, we want to treat them all this. Yeah, you know, we want to provide them with that same level of engagement and service. Yeah, you meet them where they're where they're at, right? And people come in with yeah. with different backgrounds, uh, you know, as you as mm -hmm. you nicely stated. Um, talk, talking about community again, and you talked about these events um, uh, because to me it's 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 super interesting um, to think about how you actually activate a, a community, right? Do, do you currently um, or or will you in the future when things go a little back to normal or like you said maybe virally? Um, do you how do you how do you collaborate with with other brands? Do you collaborate with other brands, and and what's in store for for your community growth? Yeah, so we've actually, I think, been at the forefront of brand uh, retailer partnerships. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I just think it's very interesting to have walked into the <laughs> uh, cannabis industry when we did. Um, and, you know, a lot of the, the foundational structure of the industry was kind of getting set up. And some of it was antagonistic. You know, there's a lot of like, you know, you're going to have to pay for shelf space to be on my stores and all this kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, we never did that. We, we never did that. We didn't think it was the right thing to do. Um, it might have provided us with a, some extra revenue, but, you know, the the imprimatur of that is that, you know, we're now kind of just leasing shelf space to, to, cost, to you know, brands. Um, instead, you know, I think we actually got a lot more value, um, realizable value, not just soft dollars, but actually, you know, like revenue uh, from, from customers because we decided to partner with our brands and we see our brands, you know, our core brands are, are, are partners, you know, um, obviously COVID versus pre COVID is, is a really, it's a kind of a hard cut almost, right? Cause we have not had any events in the store, mm. um, in any, any of the stores since, you know, uh, this, this even became, uh, a potential threat. And, but, but before that, you know, before COVID, um, we were working very closely with with brands, um, big and small, to do activations in the store. We launched a, num a number of products in the store, particularly on our Melrose store, which is a great location um, across the street from the Improv, and you know, there's bars and restaurants all around there. And, and we hope that, that that neighborhood comes back quickly. You know, um, once this this horrible situation is over. Um, right. That said, you know, that's, that has always been a core part of our, of our base. And, you know, frankly, that allows us to tag, you know, our brand's customers as our customers, allows our brands to kind of tag our customers as theirs. It's collaborative. Um, and that's the key here. I don't think, you know, anyone gets, gets ahead of this by trying to get around each other. Um, Post-COVID, or now that we're kind of, I guess we're in COVID, you know, um, we're not post-COVID, but in, in the current situation that we're in, um, you know, we launched a very strong influence engagement campaign with our brands um, to push delivery just last week. And the week before, um, we had, you know, somewhere in the range of 45 to 50 different influences, all based here in Los Angeles, that we worked with. All of them got a Sweet Flower um, branded bag that contained products from our core brands, you know, our core brand partners, um, you know, the, our brands and us, you know, work together to do that. We work with the influencers to do that. This was not a paid campaign. This was um, organic mm -hmm. and kind of really came from the, um, you know, came from, you know, a, a, a similar point of, 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 of entry, which is like, let's, you know, let's make sure we do something responsible to push delivery as a new way of, of, of receiving and getting cannabis products. But that was great. And, and through that campaign, you know, 50, 50 influencers, we, with a total reach of around 20 million followers. Wow. That's impressive. A lot of whom, yeah, obviously some of them are outside of our geographic reach. And they're, not, they're not here in Southern California. But a lot of those people are. And the ones that aren't are still now seeing, you know, Sweet Flower as a brand. They're seeing Sweet Flower as something that's, that's enabling 
people to be safe at home and it's also enabling their favorite brands to work with you know a delivery service like Sweetflower um, to drive you know traffic and engagement and, and frankly sales um, which is which is fantastic and you know we're now pivoting from not from being a dispensary that offers delivery to being to being both to being a, just a chain of dispensaries a chain of retail stores um, and also a very you know f- uh, robust delivery service and so you know that was that campaign we did uh, was all about really was all about um, delivery and it was all about um, working with these brands so that was that was great and and that w- I think will continue you know we, we see a lot of demand for that um, and on our delivery service, you know, we currently offer everything in the, everything in the store is available for delivery. Um, and that's really important, right? So people can get the same products they, they could. Totally, um, yeah. If they walk in, they can get that to their home. And that's, that's super important. And I think going forward, we want to expand that. We want to expand the reach of the delivery. We want to expand, um, you know, obviously its robustness in terms of the tech underneath it. And then, you know, if we have more brands um, to work with, uh, yeah, because I, I worry a little bit about what's going to happen in the brand space, um, given COVID and given kind of you know California overall, um, even before COVID. Um, you know, we want our brands, our core brand partners, to have a good foundational business, and we believe that you know we are, we remain the best channel for them um, to do that. So you know, we're really looking forward to to working with some brands on some exclusive launches, um, some more exclusive promotions, etc. And you know, in the, in the coming months. And from uh, we we talked about expansion for a second um, with with the potential um, well with the Westwood location when when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are the plans and how would you um, how would how would a brand that is positioned so uniquely for LA um, ever expand outside Greater Los Angeles without using uh, losing its uh, authenticity? Would it be would it be online or how, how do you how do you see that or would yeah. you ever go outside of LA? Look, I think, you know, we, we, so we've already announced we've got Westwood coming, Culver City next, and then uh, we also were a successful applicant. You know, we're one of the top six applicants in Pasadena. So those are kind of the, that's the current footprint. Um, you know, beyond that, obviously, we are looking at uh, new opportunities outside Los Angeles, but but probably staying in Southern California for the moment. Um, and that's not a, that's probably not a brand decision. It's more a decision around capital allocation. You know, where, where is it smart to allocate capital? Um, you know, I think that those are, those are more at the moment, more about capital, um, allocation and brand fit, but I, I would challenge, I, I think California brands play really well everywhere. Um, you know, so I, I kind of look at Vans, Levi's, um, I look at kind of some of the really strong retail brands that we have, um, you know, here and, and frankly you know kind of a california lifestyle um oh absolutely absolutely somewhat universal you know so i think our brand plays well in northern california i think our brand can play well um in neighboring states uh i don't have an aspiration at the moment to to go you know beyond uh or out of state too much i think you know when i when we started this this journey uh what seems like a long time ago (laughs) you know it was all about being a multi-state operator um that that kind of tone has changed in the industry. You know, there was a lot of investors were asking, you know, when are you going to, is going to go out of state and, you know, you know, you need to be in different States. Um, my pushback was always why, you know, like I'm LA County is 26% of the population of California and by far away the most cannabis leaning and intending population of California and LA County as if it were to be a state is the eighth largest state in the country. Plenty of so, opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> Within, so it's yeah, kind of like, yeah. <laughs> it's like saying, "Well, I can see that if I was some starting someplace else, you'd be asking that question." But I'm not. I'm starting here. So, what? Like, what's the rationale for that? Or is that just like a canned kind of question? And and lots of them, lots of people are asking these kinds of investors, etc. Well, it's but, a typical you know, question, right? Uh, the, the reason yeah, why but, the reason why I ask it was is, was because Sweetflower, um, you know, like the entire tagline is, you know, it's curated by and for Los Angeles. So it seems to me like it is so positioned to be not only an LA brand, but also only for LA, right? Which I mean, obviously, yeah. you can pivot the brand whenever you start reaching 
anything outside of LA and more into 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 Southern California. But that's where I was heading with that question because it has it has LA at its heart, and right now it is catering specifically to LA, which which I think a lot of a lot of um, you know people in LA love that because quite frankly there is not much in LA that is born in LA for LA, right? Because everything is very global and everything. And, you know, and, and everyone in LA is an immigrant, right? You know, you're from New Zealand, I'm from Austria, right? We both live here for half of our lives or however long. Um, so I think that there's something really special about a brand that is that is positioned, from, from a brand positioning point of view, just for Los Angeles. It's an interesting challenge, I think, for us to think about it, you know, but I, I do think that, you know, there's a great New York City surfwear brand called Saturdays. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know them. Yeah, they have been up in New York and now LA and now everywhere. Um, still very much a New York City brand. Um, True. You know, that's the kind of stuff where I think, okay, you know, we're not a clothing brand. We're we're a, we're a retailer. Um, I I think you know New York City, where I I lived for um, quite some time before I moved to LA. Same thing. Um, you know, wide acceptance of cool brands from from other places. And mm -hmm. I, I think we're a cool brand. Um, you know, you can define cool lots of different ways, but I think we fit. Um, I think we we play well, you know, different parts of uh, you know the states. Um, I, I don't know, you know, where this goes. If we're ever going to be in a shopping mall in the Midwest, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, I think the the idea would really be that you know this brand, um, you know, is is for now uh, at, at the moment for the next you know foreseeable you know uh, the, the near future, and, you know, and frankly. Prognosticating about the near future is probably really silly, totally. uh, what's going on. <laughs> but you know, the the idea is, you know, we we are a, a really strong fit for what we're what our vision is for cannabis retail um, here in California. I think we fit well elsewhere, um, but we'll be selective. You know, where we will have to make decisions about. Just uh, you know, I've been very selective. We as a team have been very selective about allocations. Um, you know where where we are set up in in Los Angeles, you know, and and uh, you know, I had, had spent a little little bit of time in commercial real estate uh, when I was at Warner Brothers. Um, you know, looking at our at the time the Warner Brothers real estate portfolio, and you know, uh, we looked at a hundred locations. Um, <laughs> you know, for these stores, there are six stores. Um, Currently, and uh, you know, we 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 passed on most of them, um, and some of them would have been cheaper, and some of them would have been different, and obviously different, but but you know, a, di a different vibe, a different location, and we weren't just going up doing it based on you know scarcity or density. We were also doing it based on what we felt was the right building to have the right the right kind of provenance for the for the brand, and um, and some of these buildings uh, that we've got are. Required a lot of TI, tenant improvement, but you know they're also really good branding opportunities. They're they're big with big 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 locations, good locations. We can put mm -hmm. the flower on the front of the store, um, you know, and it's cool. So that was really part of it. You know, we've been very selective about these things. Well, um, and, and and design yeah. is super important for you guys, right? I mean, this the, the store layout, you know, how it feels, how people enter yeah. it, the entire customer journey, um, and you know, overall, your your brand design and language, it feels very authentic, down to earth. It's balanced. It's also gender neutral, even though you hinted at the idea that it's kind of like you know female forward in a way, but it but it feels very it feels very uh, very neutral. And it, you know, you've got this highly curated custom photography. You've got these pastel colors, uh, and that's all key. To to a very a very specific visual language um, for for sweet flower, um, and all of that is underlining your mission to set a new standard for modern cannabis retail that is inclusive, diverse, and approachable by all. I know branding was super important for you guys from the from the get go, but but how early on did you invest in branding? And you know, you know, like like how was that journey when you said, okay, we, we got to start thinking about the the visual and verbal aspect of our brand at this um, point. It's a very it's a, that's a very straightforward question to answer. It was immediate. I mean, the first thing we did was, okay, so who are we? Um, what do we stand for? And and what's our brand? Um, you know, what is our brand? So, you know, within once we decided to do this, um, and it decided roughly a rough sketch of, of what this, um, of what Sweet Flower could become. And before we really had the name and it locked in our heads, 
uh, I sat down with a design team um, that I'd worked with previously a little bit and uh, in a prior career and came up with, you know, who are, who's our customer? We started with that. You know, who's our customer? Um, and then, you know, what do we offer that customer? Um, and then, you know, why does that customer want to come to see us? Kind of simple, basic questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped us frame this, this, the central the central question, who are we? So I think we did that, you know, if, if we started on a Sunday, we did that on a Monday. I mean, it was basically <laughs> the, the, next, the, next thing that, the next thing that we did. And, you know, we, we invested in the brand. We invested in the logo, the watermarking, um, you know, the, 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 the brand ethos, the design, the look and feel of the stores. It's all congruent. It all has to be congruent. Um, and, it, and it also has to be, we, we, didn't, we did not want to do anything that was going to turn off because we we're also in a really interesting situation because we were applying for different licenses in different cities. Some of those cities didn't really like Culver city, for instance, which has been fantastic. Um, you know, that's a, that is a, a forward leaning, um, thorough application process run by, I think a very sophisticated group of people. Um, but you know, we were, again, you're applying for permission to basically sell a, a drug in someone's neighborhood. You, yeah. you have to be thinking about that. So you don't want to kind of come in and say, okay, this is a right, you know, I've got California has adopted this and, you know, we ha- you guys have to do it. That, that, that isn't the case in anywhere. It's always, you know, the local municipality gets to decide. And so we've always been focused on who we are, where we're from, and, and where we fit in that community. Well, and that's and so, a client, yeah. that's part of your audience, right? I mean, you have to cater. You have to cater to all yeah. your different different uh, customers, and you wouldn't have the customers if you wouldn't get, uh, you know, get get right. a license within a certain city. So that's that. Yeah, that is important. But you, but you also want to have your customers. You want to have your customers feel comfortable going to see you. And so, if I think of one of what, of the over, if I could kind of sum up Sweet Flower in one word, it's trust. We want to. We want to. You know, have. We want to grant people the right to trust us we want to have people feel that they feel you know to, to feel good about going to see us that we're going to provide them with a good experience um you know they're not going to pay some crazy ripoff prices for stuff they're going to feel good about you know leaving the store and going home and trying these products and if they don't like them you know they can come back and we can you know obviously there's certain regs about you know, returns but we can always work with people about you know uh, other things we want to provide them with that trust And extending that trust to delivery, extending that trust to our community, extending that trust to our drivers and our delivery people and our staff in the store and our store managers, that's really important. Um, and I think that's that's where we want to come to is like you, it's a trusted environment. It's safe. Um, but beyond just being safe, it's it, there's an element of trust. And, right. and that's hard to do. It's really hard to get people to trust you. Oh, absolutely. And so, Especially you know, in that space. Yeah. That. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, I mean, you, you, you start, frankly, in cannabis with, you know, three or four feet back, you know, from anywhere else, right? Because you're, you, you're kind of a, yeah. it's a stigmatized business still, and, and partly rightly so. So, you know, we kind of just have to decide that it's not a right, it's a privilege um, to, to operate a store in these communities, and you've got to build that trust. And, you know, if, if we've messed up, you know, we want to fix things up quickly. Um, if, if, and, and I, you know, I, I, I'm not aware of anywhere we have, but, you know, people often, this people just stigmatized about cannabis operators. So they, they will think we've got green hair and piercings and we get high all day and that's not, the, not, not who we are. So, you know, a lot of that is just being visible. Um, you know, frankly, when we went to Culver city, the first thing we did was put our corporate office in Culver city and, You know, I work out of Culver City, at least I did until just recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, every day. You know, so we're around and you go, okay, there's the, you know, I'd go to the Starbucks and meet the, the you know, you run into the cops, you know. <laughs> right. So, oh, right. are you the, you're the weed guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm your friendly neighborhood drug dealer. And it'll be <laughs> you know. <laughs> But if you do that a hundred times over the course of, you know, a few, a few months, I guess, you, people are like, okay, you know, it's, now it becomes a little bit more normalized and you're approachable. And yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. Some, so well, what, what they think of as a cannabis person is is not who you re- who you reflect, and that's kind of important too. So I think it comes down to trust, and and that's totally like I said, you don't get that overnight. You don't get that over a year. You need to just work at that all the time, and it's super easy to lose too. So we just want to make sure that we're always trying to do it as best we can. Um, you know, 
absolutely no and that's that is i mean that is the number one thing that people seek for these days in in cannabis uh, stores anyways is 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 trust right but if you if you amplify it the way that you do it as a brand um it makes a whole lot of sense so so let's put on your investor hat for a second when 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 you as an investor how early on did you tell your startups to invest in branding because most startup founders think it's a it's it's a enormous waste of time because for them it's all product 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 and most investors yeah. for them it's like a enormous waste of money because for them it's all about you know speed to market and let's let 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 let's keep you know let's keep the money for the product mm-hmm. for later on and for for marketing yeah. um how how did you how did you advise um your startups well most of the startups i was working with were tech and so it was product oriented and, and there wasn't a significant amount of you know focus on branding um but you know we did talk to some of the companies i was working with or looking at were were kind of creative services companies that for which you know was more of a b2b um play than a b2c play like we like sweetflower but the b2b plays um did did require branding and a lot of that was built around um you know talent it was their own talent and and so they did invest early in branding um uh, you know particularly when you're dealing with creative services creative people um you, you can't stop them <laughs> they're very focused on on that i mean i think for right. us um we had to invest in branding early because you know one we were we wanted we wanted to differentiate ourselves from from the pack and i think we've done that you know very well secondly we were also in the middle of um in the middle of we we were, we quickly started to apply for licenses and in, in competitive license uh, markets and having a branding pack having a design pack having a look and feel that distinguished us from everyone else is is in those markets in those races super important um and now you know we've we've got not just the branding we also now have a very strong operational backbone um so we feel good about about that decision um i think branding is critical and for a retail outlet and a lot of people say well why do you you know why do you guys have to brand these stores at all why don't you just you know take take whatever name they had originally and just you know when you move them just reopen them as that um my philosophy here was really you know simple um you know you can follow what works and and what works um for for people is uh, a very again building trust you have to have a common backbone you have to have a a a, a standard look and feel um when you go to you know a starbucks or an alfred coffee or a sephora um or a le labo you know those are kind of the the brands that we were looking at and um in different and analog brands in different sectors and it's very important to say you know those that those those brands have a common look and feel we felt the same way about about cannabis retail no different um and that was part that was a core part of it so we invested in branding early i would not change that decision uh, i think it was the right thing to do um, and, and what does what does branding mean to you now? Um, now that you've gone through this this process yourself, and you know, what what does branding mean to you, Tim? <laughs> it's a big question, big question, big loaded question to finish things off. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll try and give the simplest answer. I mean, I, I think we're all kind of. I'm not a Jungian psychologist, but we're all kind of powered by iconog- iconography. We're all powered by things we see that 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 basically um make us reflect on on who we are and and the situation that we're in and so branding to me is is assembling those icons um you know color uh um logos kind of the you know a flower the sun um you know simple things Mm-hmm. Uh, and assembling those in a, you know in a way that makes you think okay that's reflective of you know something that i that i i like uh that i that i i want to engage with and it's possibly just that simple i mean we're mm-hmm. all basically fairly limbic you know uh, <laughs> you can take away a lot of the the cerebral you know cortex but you you really at the, at the end of the day we we we're, we're fairly basic animals and i think we reflect and respond to things that we that that, that are appealing to us different ways right so you know for us it was like let's have a very simple kind of brand um let's use a cool gray tal- palette let's uh, apply a little bit of navy for bold um you know nothing too shocking um we didn't want to be you know some super dynamic like 
motif. We wanted to be very straightforward. Um, let's use powerful iconography, kind of powerful type typography, good 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 fonts, big fonts, um, and and just kind of keep it simple. And that allows people to kind of apply their own feelings to the brand. I think the brand icons are important, and um, the love mark that we have with the flower and the poppy, um, the, sorry, the sun and the, and the poppy are, are really important. Um, and you know, I love that. I like seeing it. It's I, I, every time I see that in a different way that people are kind of thinking about it. It, it to me, it's it feels good. Um, mm-hmm. There's just nothing I like about it. You know? uh, yeah, so, it's, it's, it's so simple, but yet yeah. it tells a story, right? It also tells the story of what you actually want to feel, and and you know that relief, you know, and and that kind of uh, yeah. space. It's just selling, uh, selling yeah. wellness. Yeah, we're selling wellness. We're selling something. It has to stand out a little bit because it's a commercial brand. You know, we're obviously as you drive down the street. We want to make sure that you see Sweet Flowers logo and our and our and our bold um, icons, you know, on the side of the of the uh, of the of the, of the uh, stores. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it really just comes down to that trust and that this is about wellness. And uh, you know, beyond that, I think people apply whatever they want to to the brand, and that's that's kind of the cool part. You know, it's kind of like having people tell you what it means to them uh, when they come to Sweet Flower, and we've we've had some really amazing you know, um, feedback and testimonials from people. So that's, that's really nice to see too. Absolutely. Where, where can listeners get to know your brand? Uh, mainly online because there's a small, small, small part of our, uh, listeners from, from LA, but, uh, a lot of international listeners, yeah. um, where, where, do, where can they get to know you? Well, sweetflower.com, uh, is the website. Um, and we're, you know, we're, we're constantly retooling that the website. It also has a transactional component uh, e-commerce platform on the back of it. Um, the, the, the website itself has, has um, tells a story. Uh, I kind of think the best way to think about us, though, for people who are outside of our community is on Sweetflower Shops on Instagram. Um, Sweetflower Shops is really a nice kind of component of that. And, that, and you know, um, that, that really is, you know, that's non-transactional, obviously. And that, that really is m- much more about our brand story totally um, yeah. and kind of our, our partnerships and other things. So, and that's what we see from doing things too. So I think Sweetflower Shops is the, um, is, is a really nice way for us to get our brand messaging and story out there as well. Awesome, Tim. Well, listen, I am, I'm looking forward to uh, to following following the journey. Um, it's 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 really well, exciting. Thank you, yeah. It's uh, it's crazy times right now, but it's um, it's amazing how you yeah. guys are are dealing with it and how you're pushing forward and uh, how it is all about um, your community first, your employees, and then um, you know the people that you can currently help. Um, really, really appreciate uh, you taking the time in these in these busy times and uh, stay safe out there and uh, and, and first and foremost, yeah. uh, be be healthy, right? Yeah, you too. And yeah, stay safe, be well, and and um and we'll see you soon, I'm sure. I much appreciate the time today. It's been great. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Tim. Sweet flower. A brand I suggest you follow to get a good feel for how you can stand out in an oversaturated industry. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If so, please do subscribe, give the show a quick rating, and join us on patreon.com slash hitting the mark. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.